0: What a great service this morning, I appreciate the presence of God, First Samuel 19, and I appreciate the good singing tonight, and uh, I tell you, I like it when it gets like it did this morning, amen, when just gets out of the banks, and God starts moving, and uh, we need more services like that, and uh, we can have all that we want, amen, if we just stay hungry for God, and uh, so you pray for us tonight, 1 Samuel chapter number 19, and we'll read in verse number 1, The Bible says, And Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and to all the servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art. And I will commune with my father of thee, and what I see, that I will tell thee. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David because he hath not sinned against thee and because his works have been to thee were very good. Verse number 5. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it, and didst rejoice. Wherefore, then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause. And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all those things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines, and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. And David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence. And he smote the javelin into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. Let's bow for prayer and then you can be seated. Father, I want to thank you tonight for the good singing. Lord, I just want to say tonight that truly you have been good to us. I think about the psalmist when he said, The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. God, we're thankful for Your mercy. We're thankful for Your Word. We're thankful for Your goodness. God, as the writer said, that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Lord, I pray tonight you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you to give me the liberty, the vocabulary, and help me not to say anything that would grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. But I pray the will of God will be done in this invitation and this message tonight. And may you be glorified. I pray you'll be pleased with our worship. And Lord, that you would have the preeminence now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach out of verse number two here, the latter part of verse number two, where we find this phrase here, abide in... A secret place abide in a secret place this is a very unusual time in David's life because as you know David has been anointed as king he's been uh, announced that he's going to be king but instead of sitting on a throne uh, David is running for his life now in chapter number 18 and chapter number 19 five different times Saul tries to kill David and he uses different tactics to take David's life He first of all uses a weapon in chapter number 18 and I think it's verse number uh, 10 and verse again in our text tonight, uh, three different times he uses a javelin and he tries to take David out with that javelin. And then not only does he use a weapon, but he uses warfare as he sends David down to to war against the Philistines uh, thinking that, well, if I can't kill David, I'll at least send him down and put him in the heat of the battle and I'll let one of the Philistines take him out and then his blood would not be upon my hand. Now I want to tell you, just as Saul who is a type of the flesh is very deceitful in what he's trying to do to take David's life so is the flesh amen the flesh is a very deceitful uh, individual and so Saul uh, uses a weapon and then Saul uses warfare but then Saul even uses women as he uh, uses two of his daughters to try to take David down Uh, David does not accept the first daughter so Saul makes a second attempt as he offers his younger daughter to David in marriage and David goes and fights the Philistines and all the while Saul acknowledges the fact that the Lord is with David now the flesh will acknowledge the fact that God will help us but it will not stop the flesh from trying to annihilate us amen one of the things you'll find in chapter 18 and 19 that no matter how many times Saul failed to kill David he never stopped trying to do that amen and I'll tell you you may win the victory over the flesh today but you mark it down you're going to face the flesh again tomorrow because the flesh is just like Saul The flesh wants to be king and the flesh never gives up. Amen? And so that's exactly what we find in this text here tonight. As Saul sinfully conspires to take David's life, in verse number one, the Bible says that Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. Now this is interesting because in chapter 16 and verse number 23, when David is first brought before Saul and begins to play his heart, David begins to play that harp and the Bible said that an evil spirit is driven away from Saul and the Bible says that Saul greatly loved David. But when you get to the end of chapter number 18 and verse number 29, notice the Bible said in the latter part of that verse that Saul became David's enemy continually. Now isn't that interesting that Saul goes in just a couple of chapters from loving David greatly to being his enemy continually? You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm simply saying this, that's the way the is friend it may love you today and it'll hate you tomorrow the flesh if there's anything you can prove about the flesh it's this you cannot trust it and you cannot tame it amen you see Saul makes a covenant with Jonathan and he swears he says I will not slay David but only a few verses later do we find Saul trying to kill David again it doesn't matter what the flesh tells you friend it doesn't matter what covenants it makes it doesn't matter what leagues it makes tonight the one thing you can mark down the flesh is not your friend the flesh is your enemy and the flesh is out to get every one of us amen Now David fought Goliath in just one act who took him down. He fought the Philistines several times and defeated them. But Saul was his most deadliest enemy because David had to live with Saul in that palace every day of his life. And can I tell you, we don't fight the devil very much, if any at all in our lifetime. We may face him once or twice. We may fight, listen, the world several times, uh, but the most dangerous enemy that we have tonight is the one that we get up and we shave in the morning time. it's the one that we face day in and day out. We're living with our worst enemy. Our worst enemy tonight is not the devil. It's not the world. It's the person that we love the most. It's our sinful flesh tonight. Friend, that's what makes the devil so, or that's what makes the flesh so dangerous tonight is because if I was to go around this room and say, how many of you love the devil tonight? Everybody in this room, nobody would raise their hand. We all hate the devil. Can I get a witness? I think if I was to take a poll and say how many of you love the world? Now some people do but a lot of people would say amen and say I want no part of the world and I do not love the world tonight. But I want to tell you something. There ain't a person sitting in this room tonight that if you be honest you love your flesh. I love my flesh tonight. The Bible even says that that no man hateth his flesh but he nourisheth it. We're to love our wives even as we love ourselves. You see, the truth of the matter is we love this flesh. We take care of it. We want it to have a comfortable life. We want everything to go good. We don't want the flesh to suffer even though we know it's wicked and even though that we know it's evil. Uh, Brother Ronnie is still a part of us tonight and it's a great part of us, this body that we live in and so we take as good a care of it as we possibly can. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that but you've got to be very careful while you may love this tabernacle, this body that God has given you and this temple it is the Lord's amen the only way to really love the flesh in the right manner is to crucify it and to give it to God and to reckon it dead amen I'm telling you you can love it if it's dead and it'll be alright but if you ever let, let it resurrect and come alive it'll eat you up like a cancer it'll take you down I'm telling you friend the flesh is every bit as evil and it's every bit as deadly as Satan himself is tonight And so David is running for his life. And Jonathan comes to David and he says to him in verse number two, he says, I pray thee take heed to thyself until the morning and abide in a secret place and hide thyself. So here's David as he's running from Saul. He's having to hide himself. I want to tell you, this is a very low place for David. You got to remember David's a great soldier, isn't he? David has just killed the superman of the Philistine army. He's taken him down and they've been chanting his name in the streets and they've said Saul's killed his thousands but David his ten thousands and David has been anointed by the preacher of the day, by, by the by the man of God, Samuel and it's been announced that David is going to be king. He is, he's got this great uh, a blessing upon his life and now David is put in a low place where he's got to hide Like a little child and I got to thinking about this brother David the other night when 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 I was thinking about this man of God as he is hiding in this place here David doesn't look like a soldier hiding out let alone a king amen I mean God makes one promise and just like God when he makes a promise he takes the long way around of bringing it about he doesn't send him straight to the palace and straight to the throne he goes to the palace not as a king but as a servant amen and he goes from a servant to being a soldier and from a soldier to being a refuge it looks like David is never going to sit on the throne. You know sometimes in our life it seems that way that God will promise you something and in our scale of mind we think it's supposed to happen right now. We think it's supposed to happen instantaneously but sometimes it may be weeks, it may be months, it may even be years before God ever brings that promise to pass. But you rest assured tonight if God makes you a promise, if God writes it down, if God puts it in your heart you just hold on a little bit longer like they sung about this morning help is on the way because God has got a perfect record at keeping his promises amen the truth of the matter is the will of God for David's life in chapter 19 was not to be sitting on a throne it was not to be on the battlefield but it was to be hiding out in a secret place And tonight I want to say that God wants every one of us at times in our life to just abide in a secret place. I want to mention a few things tonight and be through. I want to first of all draw your attention to the the timing of this secret place. Notice the Bible says here in verse number 2, Jonathan said, I pray thee take heed to thyself until the morning. The timing of this secret place is that David has got to hide through the midnight. David's got to hide through the shadows. David has got to spend a long night in the middle of nowhere. He cannot tell anybody. He cannot make an announcement. He's got to find this place of secret and this place of safety and David has got to hide in this place through the shadows of the night. Can I tell you sometimes God will put you in some places of obscurity. Sometimes God will put you in a secret place and and just kind of set you down for a little while and let you abide there and hide uh, through the storms of the night. Can I tell you there's been times in my life when I didn't feel like I was going forward. I didn't feel like I was going backward. It just seemed like I had stopped dead still in the middle of nothing and it seemed like nothing was happening in my life. I'm gonna tell you what that is, friend. That is a secret place uh, that God is doing something internal in your life that you cannot see and it may take years. Uh, it may take decades, decades. Uh, he may never tell you down here, but rest assured that is not wasted time. That is time well spent with God. Amen. Your secret place tonight might be the back of a carpet mill like it was for me for five years. Your secret place tonight might be a little block church that I pastored for three years that liked to kill me. When I left, I said, I never want to be a pastor again on the backside of nowhere's. Your secret place tonight may be a deep valley that you have to walk through. There's a time, and it's a, it may be a dark time. For David, this was a dark time. For David, this was a very dangerous time that he's hiding in this secret place. Uh, but this is God's time, that God is, is wanting him here. David is as much in the will of God hiding out as he is on the front lines of the battle. And I think, Brother George, we have to understand that. We want to run. We want to go. We want to be busy. And I know that's just the way God makes us, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there comes them times, so when God pulls us aside for a little while and says, just abide in this secret place. The timing of that secret place. I see here not on the timing of that secret place, but I want you to see tonight the testing of that secret place. You say, preacher, what is the testing of that secret place? Well, it's an uncommon place. I don't know where David is hiding out. Some commentaries try to speculate, but the truth is, If they knew, it wouldn't be a secret place. Can I get a witness right there? I mean I'm not a theologian but if they got it figured out if we got it figured out 4,000 and something years later David didn't do too good of a job playing hide and seek and if they can figure it out surely Saul could have figured it out with all the men that he had they don't know where he hid I mean listen sometimes people put things down and I read them and I think there's no way they know that happened amen you say why because listen it was an uncommon place it was a place that David knew it was a place Place that Jonathan knew. It was a place that God knew. Nobody else knew where David was, but God had put him in an uncommon place. It was an uncomfortable place. You see, the test for David was it wasn't a luxury place. It wasn't a place that, you know, I see a lot of times in church, people uh, so many times, they want every, and I know this is the way we are, we want everything to go smooth, but yet it's not going to be that way. We plan life out and nothing wrong with having plans. I think you ought to have some ambition, some goals, some plans. But the truth of the matter is you ought to put it on paper. But remember one thing when you write it down, God's probably going to change a few things along the way. And sometimes uh, he'll just put pause and he won't do anything. And you just got to be in that very uncomfortable place. There's times we have to preach in uncomfortable places. The testing is will we stay the course? Will we do what we know is right? Will we do what we know God has commanded us to do when it's uncomfortable? So many times people jump ship or they, they, they go off a different course because things get a little bit uncomfortable. Just because life gets hard doesn't mean it's time to move. Somebody say amen. Just because the way gets a little bit rough doesn't mean that you need to be looking for grass and greener directions. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, brother, if we did that tonight, we would never accomplish anything for God. You say, but preacher, I don't feel like I'm accomplishing nothing. You're in that secret place. And what you need to do is understand the test is that God puts you in uncommon and uncomfortable places. And not only is it that, but sometimes it's uncontrollable places. You see, David has no control in this chapter. He can't do anything. The only thing David can do is hide, wait, sit, hope. Sometimes that's the way life is. You just got to wait. Can I get a witness? You just got to sit. You just got to hope. David is sitting there. David is waiting on God. He has no control over his circumstances. He has no control over the outcome of what's going to happen. He knows what God said, but he can't see how it's ever going to come to pass. God didn't give him any explanation. God didn't tell him, hey, this is how I'm going to do this. This is how I'm going to work this out. No. Listen, God doesn't do that in our life most of the time because that's not walking by faith. God lets us just know enough to be able to put one step in front of the other. He leads us along the way. He never lets us see around life's curve. He never lets us look ahead. He just wants us to keep our eyes on Him knowing that He's leading us in the right direction. That's the test of the secret place uh, is that you and I in uncontrollable in uncommon and in comfort, an uncomfortable situation, is that we abide faithful and do what God has called us to do. I remember one time I remember one time I wanted to, I was going through some problems in this church. Nobody really knew much about it. And I wanted to preach. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I wanted to take the Bible and just preach what I knew was right. And I just wanted to just run slap over the problem. That's what I wanted to do, Brother David. And for about four months, the Lord said, you're not going to do that. You just preach everything else I tell you to preach. And I thought, well, God will surely tell me when to preach this. And you know what? He never would let me preach it. And I was ready. I mean, I, I didn't have to fuse out and had it, you know, the lighter was going. You know, and that stick of dynamite. I mean, I was ready to light it and just toss it in that direction. You know what I'm saying? But God wouldn't let me do that. Sometimes in a church, people may say, I wonder why do my pastor don't do this or do that. Because it's not really me doing the leading. It's God. He sees the big picture. Lives are at stake homes and families and children are at stake and I'm telling you, you have to sometimes walk circumspectly and just stay in the word of God and I know we're always to stay in the word of God but sometimes uh, it can get a little uncomfortable, sometimes it can get uncommon, sometimes uh, it listen, it can get uncontrollable from what it looks like but I'm telling you, God always handles everything in the right way, the right form in the right fashion if we'll just pass the test. Uh, I'm telling If you'll just pass the test, uh, uh, God will bless you. But you've got to learn to abide in that secret place. There's the timing of the secret place. There's the testing of the secret place. But then I want you to see this tonight. There's the teaching of the secret place. What did David really learn in this secret place? I'll say first of all, he learned submission. Think about this. He's been anointed king and everybody's telling David what to do rather than David telling everybody else what to do. He gets anointed king. His brothers start telling him. Daddy tells him what to do first. Go take some corn and cheese to your brothers. Then his brothers start telling him what to do. And then he goes before Saul and tells him he's able. And then Saul said, "You're not able to do that." And so Saul starts telling him what to do. But nevertheless, he goes on out there, and Goliath doesn't. Goliath doesn't fear David one bit. Nobody's taking David seriously, amen. He's been anointed, and it's been announced. The problem is, everybody sees him as a shepherd boy when God saw him as a king, and nobody's really taking David serious. Uh, and every direction he turns looks like a dead end street. Finally, Saul takes him i I say cutting Goliath's head off got a few people's attention and then Saul promotes him only to find out that the price of promotion brings more trouble into David's life. It doesn't make his life more comfortable. It doesn't make his life more easy. It doesn't put him on a throne. It makes him a refuge. Hey, sometimes we want to go big places with God. We just don't understand the path that it takes to get there. It's not a sweet path. It's not an easy path. Sometimes it's a very rugged path. Sometimes you feel more like a refuge, a refugee than what you do, a soldier or a king. Amen. David's going through all of this. You know why? Because God's trying to teach him how to submit. You young people, listen to me tonight. Greatest lesson you'll ever learn is to to submit to authority. Amen. Your parents, your pastor, your Sunday school teacher, I mean, your teachers at school, Learn to be respectful. Can I get a witness right there? I'm going to tell you, I've watched more, and it ain't just young people. Some adults need to learn that too. Amen. Amen. I've watched people shipwreck their lives. I've watched children mess their lives. It ain't just young people's full rebellion. Hey, we're preaching to a generation of of adults that were used to be young people that was never taught respect for authority. They was never taught submission to authority. And now, hey, it ain't nothing for somebody to bow up. And if you're gonna pastor a church, you better have some alligator height. Hey, you better have a backbone, friend. Uh, I'm not talking about being mean spirit, but you just better be able and be ready to take a stand because this generation's not playing for a games they're playing for keeps friend uh, and if we're gonna keep old time religion alive hey, uh, somebody just gonna have to drink about five gallons if I don't give a rip uh, and just do what God tells you to do and just yeah. sell on for the glory yeah. and the honor of God amen. amen that's the way it is friends amen. and I'm telling you I see it every day every day people ruin their lives because they won't submit to authority I want to move on let me just say this when you don't like the way something goes Remember this. You can't always have it your way. None of us can. I can't have it my way all the time. You say, Brother Gravel, you're the pastor. I can't. I'm telling you, there's things God tells me to do I don't even want to do. Y'all with me tonight? I feel like I'm in a Presbyterian church here. I mean, you know, sometimes God tells me to do something. And I don't want to do it. And if I don't want to do it, it's not that I'm being rebellious. It's just I—I ain't really the route I want to go. But God says, that's what I want you to do. And and, and I think people don't always think about that. But I'm telling you, if you do the will of God, it's not your will, it's God's will. Amen? And so God sometimes will even challenge the pastor or he'll challenge the preacher. You know why? Just to remind him that he has to submit like everybody else does. We have to lead by example. And there ought to be a spirit of submission in all of our lives. Amen? And And it's in them secret places that we learn to submit to God. Greatest prayers God's ever answered in my life has been every time I fell on my face and said, Dear God, please, please help me. Please show me. Please lead me, God. Give me clear direction. Whether it's for my life, my family, my church, God, please don't let me do what I want to do. Lord, I'll mess up if you, God, if you don't show me. Lord, I don't want to listen to my flesh. I don't want to listen to nobody around. God, I just want to do what you want me to do. I'm telling you, I know that works. I've seen it work. I've lived my life that way. That's how God works in our life. In that moment when we just, listen, we, when we erase the page and we tear it up and we say, dear God, I'm just going to stay in this secret place. I do not know what's best for my life, but I will accept whatever you tell me to do. I am telling you, God will bless you for having that kind of a spirit. I've never been, listen, I've never missed it when I prayed that way I've never regretted it when I prayed that way God just honors submission in our life and I'm telling you Caleb if you'll submit your life to God and if you'll surrender to God God will put his hand on your life But you gotta stay low you gotta stay humble you can't think highly of yourself I don't care how many victories you win you better, you better listen you better remind yourself that, that listen that you, you do not have the ability we do not have the ability to make the right decisions outside of prayer so many times I thought I was right but thank God through prayer and submission I found out David was taught submission David was taught stillness he had to be still anybody here not like to be still I can't stand it, it drives me crazy to have to be still I drove 11 hours yesterday, come home, stayed home 15 minutes and left. <laughs> I just had to get out of the house. I, I mean, I, you know, I know people's different. You know, everybody's got different. But if I got to stay home all day, I'm going nuts. I'm just telling you. Amen. That's just the way it is. And I, I mean, everybody's got a different mate, But, but sometimes God's just, you know, you, you got to be still. Be still and know that I'm God. You can't always have it in high gear, amen? You can't always be running wide open, amen? You can't always just be clicking like You've got to wait on God and God don't move on our timetable. I'm telling you, David was taught all through the night. He had to be still. He had to abide in that secret place. I I see that David also learned silence, amen? Listen, there was no one there to comfort David in his secret place but God. God put him there. And all it could hear was the, was the crickets chirping. It had to be still. David got, if David caused too, too much commotion, somebody could hear David. You know, God uses that silence to give us the time to think. Because it's there God teaches us sanity. In the quiet times, we meditate. The best messages that are ever preached are the messages where God gives you a verse of Scripture and you meditate on it because it gets from here down into here. And the Bible talks about meditation. You want to find the will of God, get a verse of Scripture. You say, what's meditating? It's when you get a verse of Scripture and you just chew on it. Amen. Amen. You digest it. You think about it today. You think about it tomorrow. You meditate on it. We read the Bible, but we ought to have verses that we just meditate on. You ought to get one verse tomorrow and just meditate on it all day long. Think about it. You know, one principle can change your life forever. Amen. You don't. Got, I, you ought to read. You ought to read, read, and read. But I'm telling you, you'll just get one verse and practice it and see how you, you practice five verses a week and you'll be a good Christian. Amen. I promise you. I'm just saying meditate. It's in that secret place that God allows us to have our sanity. He teaches. He teaches us sanity and he teaches us safety. Oh, I want to emphasize this tonight. The safest place in your life tonight is in the center of God's will. And Friend, tonight you better know what that is and don't ever get out of it. I was thinking about this yesterday. There's a few things tonight that I know I'm in the center of God's will. There's no doubt about it. I know that I'm married in the center of God's will. I know I married the person God wanted me to marry. No question about that. I know tonight that I'm pastoring the church that I'm supposed to be pastoring in the center of God's will. There's no debate about that tonight. You say, preacher, why is that so important? Because it's there as God's blessings. You can try everything you want to. You can go every other place you want to go. You can do everything else you want to do. But I'm telling you, what you'll never have the blessings of God when you get out of the center of God's will. In the center of God's will, safety. Young people, you hear me tonight. This church tonight is the safest place for you outside your home tonight. Being in church and not just being in a church, but being in the church God brought you to. Being in the church God has blessed you in. Being in that place, don't let the devil, don't let distractions, don't let things, don't let people, don't let places, don't let prosperity, don't let anything pull you away. Don't let good ideas, don't let feelings, I mean, listen, don't let sin, don't let anything take you away from the church. God puts you in. You get out of that, everything spins out of control. Family, job, life. I'm going to tell you something about that tonight. A man stood on this platform just a few weeks ago and hugged my neck and told me with tears in his eyes, he said, I wish I'd never left his place. And I hugged his neck and we cried and I said, I know. I said, I, I'm, I said I'm praying the Lord lets you come back. I said, and, and I believe he's right with God. But you know what he told me standing here out here after service? We had a great service. He said, with tears in his eyes. He said, you know what he told me? He said, he said, I don't know if God will ever let me come back. He said, I'm right with God. He said, but I don't know if He'll ever let me come back. He said, if I do, he said, I'll never get my family back in this place. I mean, what do you say to that? The only thing I can do is weep with Him. You know why? Because it's true. He said, preacher, you're trying to scare me. Absolutely, I am. I am telling you the will of God tonight. I, wouldn't, I didn't come to preach on the will of God, but evidently that's what God wants me. The will of God is so important in our life. I'd rather be broke. I'd rather not have a nickel to my name. Miss Tina, I'd rather not have a house to live in. I'd rather not have, but I want to be where God, I want to be right in the dead center of God's will for my life. It's where you hear from God. It's where He speaks to you. Don't you like it when God, I won't finish the sermon, but don't you like it when God speaks to you? And I'm telling you, I want to hear from heaven. I was sitting in church this morning. I mean, the choir got to shouting. I mean, I just, God spoke to me. It wasn't even about church, but it was, just, He just spoke to me about something. I said, Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there are people that hasn't heard from God in so long. They go to church every week, and they're even in good churches. But they they, somewheres, they got off course. They, they got fouled up somehow, and they got out of the will of God. And now, Brother Charles, they hear preaching every week. That's, that's commendable, but they don't hear from God's the problem. You hear preaching, and God never talked to you. David, he found safety. And then I'll close with this. There's the triumph of the secret place. I want you to see something in verse number six. David, the Bible says, and Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan. Notice verse seven. And Jonathan called David and Jonathan showed him all those things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as in time passed. And there was war again and David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter and they fled from him. I want you to see this. The triumph of the secret place. David comes out of this place. Jonathan said, abide there until morning. Jonathan goes and he talks to to, to Saul and, and and David through the night doesn't know what's going to happen. He, for all he knows Jonathan could even double cross him and bring Saul right to him. I mean anything is possible. And David is waiting through the stillness of the night. God is working in David's life, even though it's uncomfortable and uncommon and uncontrollable. But I'm telling you, listen. When David thought that nothing was ever going to change, when it looked like it couldn't get any worse, you know what happened? The sun came up in the morning. Amen. I'm telling you, David made it through the night. The sun came up. It may not be a big deal to us in verse number 7 when Jonathan calls David. But when David comes crawling out of that secret place uh, they triumph in his soul for what it meant was David had made it through the night. David had saw the sunlight of another day. David had learned that God had not forsaken him. That God was still working on his behalf. Uh, And David comes out smarter. And David comes out stronger. And David comes out protected knowing uh, that God is fixing to do something great in His life. I'm saying to you that tonight, if you'll just stay in that secret place, if you'll just stay with God, the sun will shine again in your life. It'll shine again. God knows how to take the worst situations in life and make them so pleasant. Make them so good. He knows, how to, he knows how to take the sorrows. Some of you sitting here tonight, I know your heart's broke. And I tell you, some of you tonight, I wished I had a, I wished I had a word of encouragement, a good answer that just fix all your problems, but I don't. There's no magic wand. I know that tonight, but i tell you something. God, I know God. You, you may be tonight, you may be going through a, a tough time and I don't know the outcome any better than, than some of you do but I'm going to tell you something tonight. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where and I don't understand why but I'll tell you what I do know. I know there's a God in heaven. He knows, He sees it and He cares and I know there's a God in heaven tonight. He will not forsake you, He will not forget you. He said in the book of Jeremiah, he said, will a mother forget her sucking child? He said, Yay, she may forget. But God said, I will never forget thee. I'm telling you, God said as much as a mother loves that newborn baby, she might even forget. But God said, I cannot forget you. And I'm telling you, God will not forget If you'll cry out to him, if you'll call on him, and if you'll trust him, I don't care what the enemy does. Listen, Saul never missed the target, friend. He was head and shoulders above all other soldiers. He was one of the greatest soldiers of the Israelite army. And Saul, when he took a javelin, Brother Ronnie, he knew how to throw a javelin. He could put it right dead in the center every time. But there was one target. Saul could not hit. There was one target. I don't care how much he had David in his sights. Every time he threw it, he missed. You know why? Because God is not going to let the enemy take one of his children down. Tonight as we stand, are you in the center of God's will? Do you need to come tonight? Will you obey God while we sing? If the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, you mind God tonight.